0: Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media, at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who is so ready to not face a purple team, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh,
1: You know, if it's not Prince, um, I don't really understand why it would be purple. Like, I just, if it's not my 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 guy from minnesota Vikings territory making sumptuous guitar licks and soul ballads and uh retro pop why is it purple? Just answer me that what naturally occurring thing in the world that's good is purple think about it grapes they're crimson or green
0: <laughs> okay i'll allow i'll allow it i just like grapes i uh Went through a stage in my single life where I didn't buy fruit because I was a lonely single guy. And then, like, I got married and I was like, let's buy fruit. And I'm like, grapes. Let's buy grapes because grapes are great. But inflation is killing me on these grapes. They're so stinky. We're not here to talk about the best fruits. We're here to talk about the best college football game of the weekend. College game day back in Austin to hype up. A matchup of two top teams. TCU is in a like win out, and you've got a shot at the playoff situation sitting near the top of the CFP rankings. Texas um, has an opportunity to win out and make its way to Arlington for the first time in like three years-ish, and just the second time since the game's been played in Arlington would be a big deal. TCU has had a bit of a schlep, a bit of an uphill fight to get to undefeated at this point in the year went to the wire with Kansas trailed Oklahoma State 24 to 7 trailed Kansas State 28 to 10 trailed West Virginia 14 to 7 and trailed Texas Tech just this last weekend 17 to 13 in the fourth quarter uh, so this is a matchup Kyle that terrifies me because it's a team in Texas that struggles to score in the second half whereas TCU struggles to score in the first half And then it flips for the second half, where TCU lights up the second half of games, and Texas can't seem to score more than a field goal in the second half of most contests. And so, there is a lot to talk about, Kyle, but I'm just going to be honest, that has been costing me sleep this week.
1: Yeah, they're like the the upside-down version of Texas. Like, they have one really good half and one bad half it's just they've they've been able to knock the uh, the other team's quarterback out in the beginning of the other half so they can they could win it i mean again texas could have finished off any of their opponents any of their losses could have easily been wins we know that tcu just made it happen they, they they're close ones they won right that's the difference they each pick a half tcu's just been able to finish it out um because again they, they do the smart thing where they knock the other quarterback out in the first half um I I say that half kiddingly. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to fear here knowing that each of these teams has a reputation. And for Texas, it's to fold. And for TCU, it's to strengthen as the game goes on. Um, Can they break that? There is also the thing that that Texas, um, you know, is significantly better at home. Like most of their struggles have been on the road, especially in the second half. So can... A little home cooking, sleeping in your own bed. Um, you know, uh, can that do enough for Texas to get up enough, or, or can Texas rewrite it? Right? Can this be where they play four complete quarters, or even a gritty, you know, fist fight, blood spitting all the way to the end, where they have to pull something out in the second half, where they can rewrite the narrative, right? end it, put it to bed for once and for all? Let, uh, you know let there be no doubt after the second half but that's a pretty big ask because we have two years of data at this point and we know what this team is for whatever reason um if if they try this the the typical playbook of get up early with great play calling foot on the gas pedal and then just kind of ease off it it's gonna bite them and and, and it will be we will be the eighth victim to tcu you know uh, whatever predator whatever snake whatever animal it is that lures its prey in and sleep by by playing dumb and playing dead the first half and then just absolutely uh strangling you in the second we will be the the latest if we if we you know fall into that trap
0: what number does texas have to be leading by at halftime <laughs> for you to feel comfortable and why is it 63
1: yeah i mean like like honestly if it's not in the 40s like re- realistically legitimately like you they, they're up 31 to 7 if they're 35 to 10 I don't necessarily feel good about that we saw last week like they're up 21 we've seen 28 points we've seen the OU game we've seen big things right like I I legitimately think it's probably in the 40s Um, (laughs) and that's like It's crazy. Like a 35-0 to halftime lead, I'm still still absolutely shaking in my boots. Like I'm not even kidding. That will be terrifying. The halftime 15 minutes will be the longest of my life.
0: I'm telling you, I tweeted it out during the game that like the dumbest thing, of all the dumb things about being a Texas fan currently, like not feeling comfortable with a double-digit halftime lead is the dumbest thing in the world. Like that should be like bourbon and chill time. But it's like, no, I've got to lean forward and have my game face on for the entirety of the second half because I don't trust y'all people. Uh, And so, this is not your grandfather's TCU team, Kyle. Um, The TCU offense, under the guise of little brother Riley, we'll call him little brother Riley for our purposes, um... (laughs) New, new offensive coordinator under the guise of a man they stole from the other side of the DFW Metroplex. But averaging 43 points a game, 7.36 yards per play, helmed by Max and duggan completing 65, almost 66% of his passes, 2,400 yards, 24 TDs, and just two interceptions. Also, 424 sack-adjusted uh, rushing yards and four touchdowns. Like, big, big numbers from a kid and, and I've said this and, and this is not this is whatever, but like if Max Duggan was the University of Texas quarterback with these numbers and Texas was nine and0, they they would there would be no Heisman conversation. It'd be Max Duggan and everybody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing is right. Like we like a Heisman that that is on a, a number one team. We like a Heisman that that their team dominates. And TCU has not been able to dominate anyone else because of that that you know aforementioned um strategy of just only playing two of the four quarters, um or or I guess overtime in the in the case of when they beat Oklahoma State. Um, but yeah, like they, they didn't even dominate. Colorado's one of the worst teams in the country and who they opened with it was a comfortable win but it wasn't, you know, anything crazy. They beat Tarleton, fine. SMU their last out of conference game was close. Uh it was very close. OU it looked like wow, that's a win, but you know we've seen what OU is this year which again we shouldn't miss any opportunity to talk about the fact that what OU is this year is not good. Um and that's beautiful and we all love that. Um Kansas, like, again, the the hurt quarterback, it's a seven-point game even with that. Oklahoma State was two overtimes. Kansas State was, you know, pretty close to a one-score game. Uh, They backdoor covered against West Virginia. That was really a a three-point game up until the very end. Tech ended up being a ten-point game. They're winning these games, but they're winning them close. And so, yes, Duggan looks great, and there's no doubt that he's putting up incredible numbers. The reason he's not in the Heisman conversation, not that it's correct, is because – it's not the the flash to the highlight of Max Duggan making a play and then you see a 63 to 7 score for TCU and you say wow these guys are really something they haven't really had that yet right It's been that Max Duggan gets to play four quarters even if he only chooses to play two of them against every team they need every yard they need every touchdown and so you know it's 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 I don't know if it's fair or it's right but I think that's what's going on here.
0: He's good, and the max. The other thing about Max Duggan is that uh, he always seems to save his best games for Texas. Like that is he that I don't know what it is, but when he when he sees that burn orange Longhorn, that man uh, just goes off, and so. One of the questions, one of the curiosities I have about this game uh, is is the health of Quentin Johnston, and we're still waiting to see uh, what he has what he has going on. For that, he only played one play against Texas Tech, uh, left the game against West Virginia, but still, uh, even in spite of le- uh, leaving the last two games early, uh, is still the uh, head and shoulders receiving leader for the Horn Frogs. Uh, Forty two receptions, six hundred and fifty yards. Um, he actually didn't crack fifty until week five, and then went off for 206 against Kansas and then 180 against OSU. So it's been um, a, a relatively kind of feast or famine with him. It's either like 70 yards or 200 yards. And so uh, hopefully in Maybe it's a famine week for him. We'll see what Texas does. Uh, but picking up the slack, Tay Barber, 23 receptions, 450 yards, three scores. Darius Davis, 28 for 385 and 5. Savion Williams, 18, 279, and 3. And the name you're probably familiar with, Jared Wiley, 12 for 136 and 4 touchdowns. So a lot of different receivers uh been on the receiving end of Duggan touchdowns. Um, and this might be a weird game for that because it's currently projected to be like chilly and rainy on saturday so um but as it stands right now looking at it there are a lot of options that can and should scare you for max duggan on that pass attack
1: yeah if Quentin johns is playing i'm and playing healthy i'm i'm very scared right like if even again if if a famine is 70 yards uh, you know against texas that means a famine's 130 um because these teams will will get up for texas but um Tay Barber's not bad. He's he's quite a good receiver. Like like it, Darius Davis has done some nice things this year. Jared Wiley, you and I were two of his biggest advocates for the potential and upside that he had just with his size as he was growing into the kind of pass catching, pass blocking, or uh, run blocking kind of requirements of a tight end that, that he didn't necessarily have as a former quarterback, just the upside there. And, and you've seen that this year, he doesn't have a punch, a bunch of catches, but when he gets near the red zone, his size, they take advantage of, they scheme up for, and he's had four touchdowns. So, um, a lot of things happen and that's not even talking about their backs or the legs of, of Duggan. So they can attack you a bunch of different ways with a bunch of, of weapons. Um, duggan has not turned the ball over a ton as far as interceptions through the air they have given up some sacks i almost wonder if you you know in this game bring the pressure a little bit like you you just say look the receivers are pretty good and they're probably like tcu is a an offense that gets explosive plays like they're probably going to break at least one like they they'll, they'll do it um, do we sell out and try to to get the you know pressure on the quarterback? Tip balls at the line, you know, get him get him scrambling a bit, even though he's dangerous with his legs. But but just where he can't, you know, sit back and 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 tear us apart as even mediocre quarterbacks have done. He's better than a mediocre co- quarterback. We know that. Is this the week where you just see quite a bit of pressure coming in the beginning of the season? That was those little cornerback blitzes. We haven't seen those quite as much. Um, do we see pressure from the linebackers? We saw um, DeMonty Tucker Dorson struggle a little bit with um, getting pressure. Pressure and then missing just having a guy and him just slipping out from his hands uh byron murphy also had one that should have been a sack where martinez made a houdini play to get out like are they able to dial up pressure is the, is the can they get pressure with the four man front great do that all game that's fantastic if that's gonna work but do they dial pressure as well and just say look we're gonna we're gonna trust watts on quentin johnson like our big cornerback who's who's been pretty lights out we're gonna trust um that jameson can keep up with tay barber step for step and he he wants another interception to add to his tally and he's been pretty good especially in the first half of the season does he have um you know can he get back to that because this is a good game with all eyes on you to raise that draft stock again and you know jameson is 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 certainly thinking about that so um cook only played one play last week but uh, you know he's a guy who who is playing hurt and has a lot of experience does he get back uh, and be more available in this one and help us out there. We'll see, but I, I you know, I, I almost wonder if you just leave their receivers where they are, hope you win your matchups as much as you can and, um, and, and try to, you know, try to get the ball out of his hands in, in other ways.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about it in the recap show, but part of Pete Kwiatkowski's strategy has really been to like, take away what your opponent wants to do and, for what it's worth TCU has kind of become uh, a little bit more pass heavy than they have in the past like that's just that's just who they are right if you look at it their leading rusher has 153 carries max duggan has 244 uh, attempts now you throw in de mercado and it's a little bit closer it's like you know 204 versus 244 but still they they are the ratio has shifted pass significantly and so um I wonder what that looks like. And again, uh, Max Duggan is one of those quarterbacks that can beat you with his feet. Like I said, so is it going to be a man coverage situation and really just keep them from making those big chunk plays you keep it in front of you, or are you going to try to, to man it up and let your athletes see if they can out athlete some of these other guys. But you do also have to account for, I mentioned Kendra Miller in there, uh, for the second week in a row, Texas is facing the number two running back in the big 12, um, 1099, He passed Deuce Vaughn with a big performance. Plus, uh, Deuce didn't have a big performance. So uh, again, there is a legitimate run threat. No behind him, a guy who's averaging 5.6 yards per carry uh, in Amari Di Mercado.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're a really good running. Like Texas has two running backs on their schedule with Baylor's kind of um, freshman, uh standout who's coming into his own who are very good especially are getting stronger as the season goes on from where we thought they were at the beginning of the season to where they've come in. I think Kendry Miller is is very good. Like I think he's legitimately a really dangerous running back. He he a lot of his stuff they have big big home run plays like big explosive plays that, that Dykes has been able to scheme up and and, and get that offense to execute. Um, the thing that I'll be watching in this one because whether it's the pass, whether it's the run, whether it's dug Duggan, Duggan getting out uh, with his legs in the run this is a team that likes the explosive play that lives on the home run they they you know they win games on literally the two or three home run plays that's the difference in their wins that's what wins them in the game. Texas is number two in the Big 12 in yards per play allowed, right? They're giving up just a shade over five, 5.05. Um, and only Iowa State uh, and Kansas State, who, who each have 14, have allowed fewer red zone touchdowns than UT with 16. So so can UT limit the big plays, right? Iowa State uh, hasn't played TCU yet either. So, you know, TCU has done this against uh, good defenses because they played Kansas State, um, but not necessarily great defenses. Oklahoma has has struggled this year. Kansas is never a good defensive unit. Oklahoma State's not good at all. Um, and so Texas is, they have Texas, Baylor, Iowa State remaining. Um, they have a tough defensive schedule. So can Texas start the trend of TCU has to play some good defenses who are going to hopefully be able to limit those big plays? And again, when you look at iowa state and and, in in texas they've been pretty good at bend don't break football and not giving up uh the touchdown you saw texas do it against kansas state like if you go for it on fourth down texas made a big stop if you know you get there and you say all right i'll settle i'll take the field goal that's a win for texas so can texas bend but not break can they give up you know chunk plays like there was a malik no 62 yard catch i think uh in in the last game but i think they got a field goal on that drive like or actually that may have been the drive when they had the, the fourth down stop in the in the red zone like can they stop the big play from becoming the home run play and then shore up and, and hold them to a field goal or make them go forward on fourth and maybe get a stop like can texas bend not break and, and can texas continue to keep things in front of them against a tcu team that doesn't that doesn't solve everything we know what that leaves it leaves passes over the middle where teams extend for drives we we see that we know that it, it can also be painful but there's a clear philosophy here and, and and the the ability that texas has to stop the run up the middle with their their linemen and and how locked in their their two linebackers uh who are both all conference level so far this year and, and maybe more have been playing i think they can they could take away the run and so can Texas to go back to it win the matchups with their secondary on the receivers and the backs uh, coming out of the backfield? Whoever it is, the pass catchers for TCU.
0: Yeah, and like I said, thankfully there's a little bit of a of a adverse weather forecast, and so that generally doesn't benefit the passing team. Now, thankfully, Texas brings a Bijan Robinson to the the uh, to the table. Right, they bring a Bijan to the gunfight, and so I think in my In my world and in my estimation, and this is—I've never said this—I think about a Texas team, especially under Steve Sarkeesian. If this becomes a ground and pound situation, a (laughs) grinded out game, um, much like we saw last year against TCU, I'm—I'm going to take the team with Bijan. I'm not saying that's going to be the situation. I'm not saying that that's, but like generally speaking, when that is the mode of the game, I'm going to take the guy that could take that can take a a one-inch one, one inch hole and turn it into six points uh, in that situation. It's so like that, to me, um, is an equalizer for Texas, a little bit for the weather. But it this is an explosive TCU offense like we haven't seen in a very long time. And it, it's just, for, for lack of a better term, it's scary.
1: With that being a scary offense, with them doing that, does tech is this is this the time that that Quinn Ewers steps up and and says oh this guy is, is sneaking into the Heisman conversation do you forget who I am back at home you know can it can it be the type of thing where it's a quarterback battle we think it's going to be a running back battle it's going to be a Bijan show will this end up being I, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see if Max Duggan isn't the he's been the top passer in every game he's played this season um oh excuse me besides the first one in, in Colorado where he he was not starting, right? He's their backup in theory. Um, I think Chandler Moore started the first game of the season. But since then, <laughs> Duggan has been the top passer um, for either team, his or the opponent's team, in every game this season. So can he uh, can he do that again? And if he does, can Texas be the first team to win uh, against them when Duggan is the top passer? be very, very curious to watch that.
0: I just want to warn all the people that are saying – That 21 or 27, 22-ish points is too many. You might want to skip Saturday. That's all (laughs) I'm going to say about that. In spite of the offensive explosion from them, in spite of the offensive penchant they've shown, uh, this is still TCU, allowing 26.9 points per game, 5.6 yards per play. Both of those are doing quite a bit for them. Now, those averages are floated. By like a 59 to 17 win over Tarleton or a 38 to 13 win over Colorado, uh, that got a coach fired, right? Like, they're they're but like they give up points, Kyle. Um, you know, over the last we'll just say it like f- uh, over the last five for them, it's been 31 40, 28, 31, 24. And so, like can Texas get? One or two stops, again, the offense reward them, right? It's a defense led by its linebackers, uh, Johnny Hodges, uh, Jamoy Hodge, and uh, D Williams are one, two, and four on the tackle list, with Hodges with 55, Hodge with 53, and D w- uh, Winters with 43. Winters leads them in tackles for loss and sacks with nine and a half and six and a half, respectively. And, and again, for me, the defense has been good about coming out of the locker room at halftime and getting a stop, right? PK and his staff have been doing a really good job of scheming and playing chess at halftime. Whereas the offense has been out schemed um, and out scripted in basically every game we've seen this year. And so it can, the defense against probably the most potent offense they're going to see for the rest of the year, if not all year uh, looking backwards, like, can the defense do that again?
1: Gerald, I will give you an acronym and you tell me if you understand my answer to that question. Texas is going to play gap football. That's an acronym. Do you know what I'm saying when I say gap football?
0: So not like actual like not like actual gaps like on the line. No, I am too cheeky for that. I got nothing.
1: Gary Allen Patterson. <laughs> gary patterson we're gonna play gap football we are gonna play i I have i have said before that i think spite is the strongest human emotion i think many of our greatest feats have been because of spite a a lover scorned a uh you fired me i'll show you um you know it it is an intense and incredible uh motivator of, of humans not always the most healthy but it is intense and it is powerful and Gary Patterson is a petty, 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 petty man. We know that Gary Patterson used spite to get up for the Texas game every year. That was a big thing for him. That was pretty much what he anchored his season around. He never hid that. He, he admitted that. He said that. I guess SMU was, I guess, kind of a rival, and especially later in the career, yeah, we pay some attention to them. But the biggest game on their schedule was Texas. Everything that he did was about beating Texas. He recruited against Texas. Everything that he did was in comparison to Texas. He hated us he had good success because he, he really schemed to beat us. I can only imagine that from the day Gary Patterson was fired, he started planning about how he would beat TCU the next year. Then he was hired at Texas, um, so he then had a place to put that in practice. Like, some people said, well, Patterson had the scheme for the Alabama offense. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm sure he thought about Alabama. But you know, even if that was his assignment— at night, he was going home and sketching up TCU plays. He wants to beat them so badly. He wants to embarrass Max Duggan. He wants to embarrass Sonny Dykes. He wants to embarrass their athletic director. He wants to embarrass the kid who poses next to his statue out in front of the stadium. So badly, anything that has to do. And he's, he, he, you know, he, he loves the boosters over there, whatever. He's, he's supposedly a nice man outside off the football. But um, he, not this week, not this week. He is absolutely going to be like a hornflog shooting blood out of his eyes uh to to win this game. Like he, he he is the secret weapon, honestly. Like how do you stop Max Duggan and that good running back and and a running game and, and some, some talented weapon Well, Gary Patterson. Like again, Pete Kwakowski is our defensive coordinator. He's gonna, you know, have the, the bones of this. But the 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 freestyle, the little jazz freestyle, the you know, um, the Charlie Bird Parker of this of this game is going to be Gary Patterson. He's going to be playing the beautiful notes in between uh, PK's PK's steady baseline. Like this is this is Gary Patterson's time to shine, and I'm I'm honestly pretty excited.
0: We have been very openly anti like when the defense plays good air quotes to people's expectations, it's Patterson when the defense plays bad air quotes, according to people's expectations, it's been PK. I would not be surprised if Gary Patterson hasn't talked about a game plan until this week, right? Like whatever his, he he has, right? But like whatever his responsibilities are, he has probably ratcheted them up. So yeah, so we ended up back on the defense because, well, um, the defense, let's just be honest, has been um, the more consistent unit. We'll say from week to week. We got to talk about the Texas offense again. This is going to be for me like: can the inside of the Texas uh, offensive line get to the next level? put a body on a linebacker and create some space for Bijan Robinson, right? And it's not, can they hold up at the point of attack in order to do that? Can they convert on their double teams and use that as a double team off to the second level to give Bijan some space? That is the thing. And in, in the question that I think I have for this Texas offense and, it seems like the offensive line is improving, right? But even in the last game, we talked, and I feel like I jinxed it. We talked about how good Christian Jones had been um, up until that point. Like the Kansas State game was not a good night for Christian Jones. Um, how does he rebound? How does a guy like Hayden Connor, who made himself on a Sports Center highlight uh, by running out in front of Bijan like a massive ginger freight train, um, like how does I guess? He, space shuttle he's a space guy so out in front uh rocketing in front of Bijan like the space shuttle there we go um like how do those guys hold up this week and can they uh create enough space and again this might be a grinder game based upon what the weather is like can they hold up can they create enough space can texas grind this one out and and i would even love to see texas do that if the weather's nice and limit tcu's possessions
1: yeah absolutely i think i think winning the turnover battle will be huge i mean they they have a cornerback who has been a little bit down by his own standards but in in you know hodges tomlinson travis hodges tomlinson who <clears throat> obviously cousin of, of Ladanian tomlinson but great player in his own right if he would have gone last year there was some first round buzz about him as a draft pick last year came back this year um yeah, there's guys who want to make their name on college game day in the big big show that'll have lots of eyes you know you put a you put a ball he may I, I i bet he will probably match up against worthy you put a ball underneath or you know just in the wrong spot miscommunication uh and he might just pounce on it um i'm very curious uh when you were talking about Hayden Connor, I, I was thinking back to the Houston Astros parade and how excited my wife was to see Orbit. Maybe that's the nickname. The Astros uh, mascot is Orbit, uh, and he's kind of a, a sweet but also giant uh, uh, green alien thing. Uh, which you know, we'll workshop it. But I, you know, I I, um, I, I have a feeling this could be a Sanders Whittington game when you're passing it. You know, eight to twelve in the middle in in complementary routes find the guy who finds the soft zone um and hit him take the easy stuff uh to get it going versus you know have to hit i know we talked in our last pot about we need to, we need it we need to add that to the offense um but this you know I, I this game i like the idea of keeping the ball maybe let your defense win it for you by, by forcing mistakes uh, on their end but keep the ball like don't Don't put your defense in bad spots. Win special teams. Do all those other things. Um, But if you you win the turnover battle at home and the crowd behind you, it's going to be raucous. It's going to be a a big thing. When they're on uh, offense, it's going to be loud. Hopefully, when when we're on offense, it'll be nice and quiet and easy uh, until we're cheering. Um, But yeah, win that turnover battle. Keep the ball. Let Ewers win. Don't don't make him go win it for you. You know what I mean? Let him make the winning throws. Help him scheme open the the, the, the tight ends. You know, maybe move that pocket with a little bootleg. We saw that to some success. Maybe we see that come back a little bit here. Uh, it seems like every week there's a little bit of a motion wrinkle. Hopefully we can, you know, play on that to, to you know, get guys wide open. I, I, I just make it easy on Quinn, who's had a, a, you know, rough couple weeks here. His last two weeks uh, has not been... Where he expects himself to be, or anyone expects him to be, so make it, make it easy. Lean on five, you know. Take your shots where you get them. Play action into them, whatever it is. But don't, don't, don't put him in a position to where his tendencies, we know, are to be the gunslinger.
0: Take it over the, take it over the middle. Run mesh. Take it underneath. Run some levels. Run a sprint out to levels throw it to the flats to Bijan, throw it to Keelan in space, run a wide receiver screen, do anything. Do anything to get that kid in rhythm, and it seems to work out. So, Kyle, it is approximately 30-ish minutes into our preview, so it feels like it's time. It's time. Currently, tied ish We'll call it Tide-ish. 11-11 in our Potsdamas picks. Kyle, what is your first Potsdamas pick of the final six of the year?
1: I think um, Bijan going for the second week against the number two running back in the Big 12, I think Bijan will show out. Last week, the running game won the the ground battle by 100 yards. Again, even with a mobile quarterback and more running options, yada, yada. I think for the second week in a row, Texas will not only win the the running game in the ground battle, but I think they will win it by more than 35 yards. This will be a nice, healthy, comfortable. They'll win on the ground, and they'll win – Probably more than that, but at least 35.
0: That feels fair. That feels fair. So, like I said, the weather's going to be crappy, so it very limits what, what we could go with for our uh, Ponstradamus predictions. But we mentioned it in the Tuesday show that Jatavian Sanders is about 188 yards away from setting the single season record for a tight end and i think Jatavian sanders is going to have 70 receiving yards in this game
1: i like it i like it going right out there uh that's a that's a good healthy number um i think i like that if he if he gets greater than 69 i think that's it's going to be a nice day for everybody on the offense um terrell on the defensive side of the ball I like what we were just talking about, again, the combination of, between Gary Patterson and revenge and uh, needing to, to win the turnover battle, have more possessions, have more uh, chances for the you know two dangerous offenses. Let's make it the Texas offense uh, that has the ball more. So uh, I think Texas wins the turnover battle.
0: That's a bold one. TCU has not lost the turnover battle yet this year. I appreciate They
1: haven't lost uh, a game yet this year, Gerald. We're talking <laughs> about winning strategies here.
0: This one's going to be for all of the folks that I told to stop listening to the podcast earlier because it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I think Texas holds TCU to less than 50% on third-down conversions. They have been a shockingly not great third-down team this year.
1: I like it, Gerald. I like it. 50%?
0: Yeah, le- f- f- yeah, less than 50%. So if they go for 50%, I lose, but less than 50%. I like how you set the Vegas line there. It's important. Okay, yeah, I appreciate it. So that's it for the TCU preview. We'll be back on Saturday with our post-game live stream. You can catch it on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll be back on Tuesday with our full breakdown.
1: All right, let's take it now into the burnt orange lenses we take a look at the world through some burnt orange uh, specs and Gerald we have to start with one that we didn't get to uh, formally give it its shine on Monday as we were recording so we, we said maybe we'd forget we're not going to forget because it was a win and uh, we blessed the mood Minister of Culture wasn't there uh, but the Longhorns certainly were especially in the, the you know stretches of, of the end of the first half and, and uh, the, the last half of the second half the fourth quarter if you will uh, they showed up and showed out and did what they needed to do and opened the Moody Center with a win. Uh, would have been a very embarrassing look back in the annals if uh, it was not. Uh, 72-57 over the University of Texas, but El Paso, minors.
0: Yeah, it. you know, it, Texas started slow and you and I were kind of half half watching it because we were recording at the time. Um, but Texas, like, started slow and then cracked off a big run. But I think, like, the thing that was impressive the most to me was, like, I don't know if Texas has, like... And this is not a shot at, like, Marcus Carr and, and the rest of the crew from last year, but, like, it just, like... Having Tyrese Hunter and, and Sir Jabari Rice back there just feels different. It feels like there's an actual point guard back there. And, again, Marcus Carr was playing out of his position last year. I think even he would admit that. And so, like, those two guys back there, you know, they're they they are, they are the real deal. They're legit. Um, like, adding Tyrese Hunter over the offseason was a massive, massive pickup. Um, and it hurt Iowa State, so I'm not mad about it at all. But, like, that to me was um, the biggest differentiator for Texas was seeing – the, the guard play looks legit. Like, it looks like an actual, like, legit set of guards that can win you some games.
1: I will say Tyree Hunter is absolutely trying to be a villain, and I love it. It was a, a, a UT culture package they did in, in uh, one of the uh, pieces, and in they, they interviewed Hunter, and he basically said, yeah, I've never uh, bonded with a team this fast or been this close to my teammates. Basically just like, <laughs> hey, all of you who are still there in Ames, here's a, uh, a big middle finger. But yeah, he was great. I mean... Um, He he shot well. He scored efficiently. He looked to attack. Um, And I I actually, you know, the biggest thing we talked about in our preview and watching uh, in this game as we came in is what that offense would look like with Carr and Hunter and probably Rice. You know, there's a three-guard look, but especially Carr and Hunter as your two guards, your two ball handers, and can they be interchangeable? And there was a lot of times that uh, Hunter – both led the point of the spear on defense and was phenomenal on the defensive end, by the way. Um, I think Advanced Analytics had him graded out as our, well, our third best defender because Gavin Perriman came in for one minute and got two steals. So he was off the charts analytically. Uh, and Christian Bishop in limited time was also very good. But of people who played significant minutes, Tyrese Hunter was by far our best graded um, defender. It just he, he had the, he and, and Carr both jumps and passing lanes for steals. But Hunter also just, you know, stopped their, 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 you know, their ball handler many, many times. Um, look good. But, anyways, the offense, I thought Hunter could could get to the rim. Carr, you know, with a kick, was doing what we always wanted to see him do, which was attack aggressively, right? Get to the paint. What I actually like from Marcus Carr, though, he didn't shoot particularly well, two for eight. He got to the line a bunch, uh, eight, eight mm-hmm. for 10 from the line. He dished six assists. He drove to pass which is what we wanted from him last year we saw from him a little bit in the tournament uh last year and and wondered if that could be consistent with him not being the primary ball would he still look to facilitate and then you know allow that to, to to you know give him the space to get his later in the game or whatever um to his credit Carr looked more than willing he, he certainly kept the ball a lot and, and drew those fouls and got in the paint and got the easy ones which i think he's going to do all year but the fact that he had multiple plays where he drove and then kicked to a big man who was wide open underneath for an easy easy flush a couple of dunks off of it i really like to see i think that's going to be a really good two-headed monster which you know, there'll be games where, where it's Hunter's game and this felt like it there'll be games where it's cars game uh and, and you know it, probably a lot of games where it's both
0: I'm so excited to see Chris Beard slow down an offense that looks so good in the transition. Like, that's my favorite <laughs> thing I'm going to watch this season is Chris Beard suck the life out of these kids who can run. and can, Like, some of the best offensive possessions were where Texas was actually moving. Now, that being said, when they get behind and they need to do that – that's great that they can switch it on but I'd much rather just see them like run a little bit more and be a little looser and be a little fluid but that's not what we hired Chris beard to do apparently uh but a win is a win
1: yeah and just a couple other things Dylan Mitchell didn't have a bunch in the second half but he has good hands that athleticism there he's gonna have some big games and some big highlights this year I like a big man with good hands um we led 16 to one as Gerald alluded in the fast break but did uh, fall in the second chance point seventeen to four. That's going to be something to watch. Big men. Uh, UTEP was a big team. Uh, give uh, give UT problems and Gonzaga's and, bigger. I, I yes, <laughs> and I will say though Dylan Disu came on very well in the second half. He was our leading scorer and rebounder. He had ten points. He had three straight possessions where he had six of his points on consecutive possessions. Um, he he came up big. had had two blocks in the game. Two goaltendings which at least one of them was absolutely bogus you could argue maybe both of them were he could have had uh four blocks in this game so he, he did look like our interior presence um you know he'll have to kind of work just a smidge on that timing if, if they're going to be calling that but um he was, but after him, who else is there, right? Who, who's our second when he's not in? What's our interior look like? Who's able to rebound? Um, you know, Hunter uh, and Sir Jabari Rice were our best rebounders. Our, our top scorers and rebounders were all transfer guards in this game. So we'll see how that plays out. But if you're thinking, woe is me, we should have beat them by 40 points because some people are negative about everything. Just know um, there were a couple close ones. Uh, TCU, preseason darling, everyone's favorite. Gerald was keeping me updated as we were recording on this game too. Uh barely, barely, barely escaped preseason number 361, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, and Gerald, did,
0: did um did OU win their opener? They they did not. They were the only men's and women's team playing yeah. on opening night that lost. Yeah,
1: sixteen and one. And the one was OU. Ah, it's beautiful. And OU's uh, stadium was like one tenth filled. Um so you know, just remember, like the they are in the worst of it right now in their athletic uh, department until softball season, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, enjoy us being good at things and them not being good at things. Also, Florida State lost to a hat, 83-74 to Stetson, So, and that was also at home. So, again, just enjoy getting the home opener win and uh, look to improve. But a big one on uh, coming up with uh, first Houston Christian and then Gonzaga coming to the mood. Uh, A big one, Gerald, that you were all over. Uh, Some of of our our buddies in the recruiting trail have been dropping breadcrumbs on this for a minute. But huge news for the University of Texas in a crazy kind of recruiting week after it's been quiet on the Western front for for a few weeks. Uh, Colton Vasek officially flips from that same woeful OU to the University of Texas.
0: Uh, big deal big stinking deal one like not just a decommit and then a commit later like a straight up flip which feels absolutely great top 20 addresser in the country top 150 kid I think my favorite part about this whole recruitment is the fact that he he committed to OU over the summer and then he was an official visitor for OU at the Red River game and he said like this is going to be my first time going to cheer against Texas Um, and then he went and Tried to cheer against Texas when OU got the absolute living dog beat out of them, <laughs> uh, so like it just it felt so good. Like it, it this clearly felt like it was it was kind of a kick in the pants when it happened um, that he committed to OU. But a lot of people in the know were like, just keep watching it, just keep watching it, keep watching it, and come to find out the kid the kid could not resist the allure of the team that he's been watching his entire life.
1: Yeah, his dad played at Texas in the 90s, also at a defensive end. He's coached at Duncanville and Westlake most recently, uh, where Vasek played. I will say, with that Westlake team, a, uh, a high school offensive coordinator in the Austin area who played against uh, said Westlake uh, told me that um, when we got Ethan Burke, he said, you know, I thought as a sophomore, Vasek looked better than Burke did as a senior. And that's not a knock on Burke, who we always knew he um, was more of a, a project kind of player, but it just tells you that even as a sophomore in high school, he was dominating, you know, around other D1 guys. Vasek stood out against, uh, you know, D1 talent on the offense. He stood out. So um, just a really good player who who has the frame, has the, the, you know, when you think about what a defensive end recruit looks like, it's it's basically this frame that's, you know, six, six six ish maybe a, a hair shy 230 of just pure like build uh, you know ready to be built upon frame with a with a college strength and conditioning program so he could really blossom into something uh, there it, it looks like you know a great pickup for Texas. Gerald, do, do you want to just quickly, I mean, we enjoyed it. We don't always go deep into the recruiting scuttle but, but there, there were some, since this is burnt orange lenses and we can talk about <laughs> other schools in this section, there were some other slightly relevant bits of information uh, that, that, that floated around the, the greater burnt orange internet mainly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday time frame?
0: Yeah, I mean, keep an eye out on, on who's visiting this weekend. You know, there's a certain five-star linebacker that formerly committed uh, to those inbreds in College Station that is no longer uh, committed to them and is going to be in town this weekend, along with several other priority recruits, a couple of other Westlake kids, potentially. One of them for sure will be there. One of them might be there. Um just a, a big deal for Texas. It's going to be, um, uh, this weekend could, uh, really set up well because signing day isn't a month. So be excited for that.
1: Texas currently sitting at the number three class number two, looking like it's, uh, it's right in sight. Um, you know who knows, uh, but I, I'll take that. I'll take a top three class, no matter where they get. I just say... you got a
0: shot at two. One's going to be hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, Bama's Bama's real good at this uh, this game. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the uh, I won't won't say any names until things are official, of course. But. Just say, you know, uh, the Aggies, the real mad, you know, that annoying, all these things going wrong. And then on top of it all, you step in an anthill uh, and have bites all the way up your leg. Uh, so, um, you know, read between that's not even very, very subtle uh, between the lines there, <laughs> if you will. Uh, all right. So we have uh, guys coming to the 40 acres. We, we talked uh, in our preview about guys on the 40 acres. Let's talk about the alums here, Longhorn, uh, NFL Longhorns. Gerald, who you got as your your other NFL Longhorn of the
0: week? You know who it's gonna be. Cameron Dicker, the kicker. His teammates didn't even know his name. <laughs> There's a video floating around of his teammates mic'd up asking, what's our kicker's name? The man goes around the country like a roaming, roving gunslinger, righting the wrongs <laughs> and saving the teams. Two different teams, two different game winners. Like, somebody just realized that this kid needs to be on your squad and keep him around. Ah,
1: it's beautiful. I, uh, I I hope they don't. I hope literally <laughs> he just he just sits in the uh, I don't know either Chicago DFW uh, you know some centrally located very busy hub airport uh, so that he can get to any just just waiting for a call Sunday morning to which game he needs to show up to in which uh, NFL city and kick game winners cuz all he does in his two career games is kick game winners it's not a surprising stat but it is a true stat that he's the first kicker in NFL history to kick two game winning field goals in the final 2 minutes of regulation in each of his first two NFL starts with two different teams so it's just a ridiculous but true stat my favorite part of the whole thing though was when they interviewed him and asked him what he was doing uh he was planning to go to the Carrie Underwood concert Wednesday in Austin when he got the call <laughs> from his agent and you know had a brief change of plans went to the airport uh uh, frickin' love this kid, and it's awesome. That's a great pick, Gerald. I think I'm gonna go with mine though. I I love uh, that Dylan Schooler just continues to be a special teams uh, stud on on the New England Patriots. Recovering a, a block punt, um, I like I like old old consistent. Our, our guy Jordan Hicks, you know, hard to say he's old, but he's he's been around for a, a long time. Twelve tackles, ten of them solo, two pass deflections, just doing that thing right. Like just just being an, an NFL linebacker uh, and being steady and consistent every week. I like that. Hope he has many, many more uh, years, whether it's with the Vikings or whoever I oh, are lucky enough to have him. Um, but yeah, we'll give it to them. Sorry, Sam Mellinger. Um, you, you don't have a coach. You don't have an offensive coordinator.
0: He has a coach. He's not qualified, but he has a coach.
1: Well, yes, that's true. And, and, um, you know, he, he, a guy coaching on Sundays who's uh, who, who's never coached on Saturdays or Sundays um
0: has a losing record on Fridays as a
1: high school coach his only experience has a losing record on Fridays so whew, good luck Sam P- please uh stay stay healthy at least be safe uh around the country we'll hit some some of the the college football uh bits um big 12 TCU of course as we said beat Tech last week, Baylor over OU 38-35, Kansas over Oklahoma State uh, 37-16, poor Poor state of Oklahoma, it's it's tough. Uh, Bedlam. I heard uh, most recently they're talking about an 8 a.m. kickoff on ESPN the Ocho, um, but on now we'll, Thursday. Yeah, right. We'll see. Uh, they both fan bases absolutely think they're going to lose that game, and I love it. I couldn't be happier uh, to see that Iowa State got their first win, 31-14 over West Virginia. Anything stand out there at the Big 12 slate? You want to comment on?
0: Um, why couldn't Oklahoma State have this meltdown one week earlier? Um, is a big question. TCU continues to get it done late. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The, the, the Black Friday game it very likely is going to determine who goes to the uh, Big 12 championship game. And I I do not want to lose to Baylor. I just don't. So, like, we'll just – that'll have to uh, – thankfully it's in Austin.
1: You put that on the record in, like, a season preview. You've, you've been banging multiples. that drum for, for a while, Gerald. So, good on you. Um, yeah, I, I, good for Iowa State getting off the schneid. Yeah. Um, yeah oklahoma state man if we could have had a bye week uh, on in between two road victories if we like even with our our, our own terrible play if their meltdown could have started a quarter sooner uh that would have been okay uh but obviously they aren't the sooners uh in the state of oklahoma sec football um bama lost to lsu uh brian kelly showing that that cajun moxie uh he's made of of uh you know uh, bourbon uh hand grenades and uh and some recruit mama's gumbo uh and <laughs> just absolutely went for it uh ballsy call to go for two in overtime to uh to beat bama 32 31 and then gerald florida gators have had a rough year it has not been the year they wanted in billy Napier's near one but you know what is a a tonic for an upset tummy of a year that's right playing texas a&m it settles the soul. It sues what ails you. Forty-one twenty-four over the Aggies. Wonderful game to watch.
0: Are you are you calling the A uh, and M offense the bananas, rice, and crackers diet? Is that what you're telling me that this is all <laughs> Texas A and M is I, like? The- I, I- <laughs> I'm. have been praying for their downfall for a long time, and I'm glad it's happening. Like it is, it is a tire fire out there, and it's. It, it seems like it might get worse.
1: They only have like 13 recruits. Uh, we probably just took their best one, uh, as we alluded to earlier. Another, their other five stars pretty much gone. Maybe to Texas. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> they. They haven't got a quarterback in that class, and Jimbo is supposed to be the master recruiter. He just paid a billion dollars for the last class. All those guys are probably going to hit the portal. Guys are still having the three-week flu or something, uh, how many weeks are left in the year? It's going to be a six-week <laughs> flu because people just don't want to play on that team. It's, it's an absolute cesspool, and I couldn't be – happier. I could not wish it on a better group of people. Um, Absolute brats, Gerald. Um, Bananas, rice. uh, What is it? What's the brats? Applesauce. Applesauce. Toast. I think tater tots. Oh, toast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, last relevant bit. Do you know what Tennessee, Clemson, Illinois, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, and Oregon State have in common, Gerald? They all lost. All the other orange teams in the country lost, but not Texas, by God. Not Texas. They bucked the trend of keeping all—even Miami, if you want to count them as an orange team, they lost. Uh, But not Texas. Texas bucked the trend. Once again, zigging where everyone else zags. Gerald, uh, speaking of orange, orange and white, the Fall World Series uh, three-game came down to the wire. It was closer than uh, the other Orange World Series where, of course, the the Houston Astros, in case you forgot and you didn't listen to the Monday podcast where I talked about being at the parade for said team— Houston Astros, my hometown, or are, are the World Series champions, but also the Returners for the University of Texas are the annual Fall World Series UT uh game. This year they did it Newcomers versus Returners, and it was a shock when Newcomers won the first game six to five. Returners didn't take to that too kindly. They won the second game nine to two before absolutely blanking them fourteen to zero in the Fall World Series. It's it's you know, it's like it's like your kid, you know, accidentally uh, clocks you in, in the chin, and it's like, oh, okay, like you know, you shouldn't do that to dad. I'm not gonna uh, destroy you, but in this case, they, they did, they destroyed him. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's the young pubs have a lot of talent, and there's a lot to look forward to. But it was good to see the 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 old timers uh, step again. Old timers in this case are like 21 to 22 year olds, but uh, the old timers step up and, and and secure things. Now we have them come together in the spring and do that to other teams. Some award season, number 16 soccer, placed three on the Big 12 tournament team, Missimo Byers and MJ Cox. You've certainly heard those three names Uh, a time or 12. Um, Just wanted to point out, since we last reported on the team that knocked Texas out of that tournament, West Virginia, ultimately went on to beat TCU in double overtime and be the champs. It never feels better to lose to the team that won the championship, but at least you didn't lose to the team that lost in the championship, right? It's like, okay, it was their year. Um, But all three of those will be, of course, playing uh, in the postseason, and, uh, you know, let, let them all go do well, right? That's, that's not a bad thing. People have been sleeping on the Big 12 this year uh, with some of these rankings and seeding, so let all three of those teams just dominate, folks. I'm not upset with that. Um, and a couple more awards. Uh, Jalen Ford was named actually the Bronco Nugursi National Defensive Player the Week. knew is Big 12, um, but since we last recorded, he became the fourth Longhorn to win that uh, weekly award, and JT Sanders was named to the John Mackey Award. Uh, semifinalist shortlist,
0: much deserved. Jalen Ford probably has a, he has a legit shot at winning uh, the conference player of the year. So big ups to him. Exciting times.
1: Yeah, he's real, real good. He's he's got game ending or game changing interceptions 2 game ending fumble recoveries guys everywhere doing everything and uh man you love it like a guy who's outside we talked about recruiting wins earlier but a guy who's outside like the top 1200 in that class that's an evaluation and a development you love to see it JT Sanders by the way fourth among power five tight ends with his 39 catches uh five touchdowns also fifth amongst all FBS tight ends so Gerald let's Take this thing home a little bit of Godzilla. Tron. What are you watching on your giant screen?
0: Uh, so update. Family night, pizza night, movie night this week was Disney's Hercules. Still slaps. Uh, ma- uh, super underrated. Mm. Like, well, of like the of the Disney golden age of like the ni- the late eighties, you know, nineties. Uh, that's the one that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough, and like it's absolutely incredible. Uh, Go the distance still gets me to this day. It's really awesome. Um, I don't like scary movies or scary shows, but I will occasionally catch a wild hair right around Halloween time. Um, and like the movie Constantine is not scary, but it's got. Scary elements. And having Peter Stormare play the devil is like. Perfect casting, it's incredible. Um, so watch that. I've seen it dozens of times, but I really love that movie. And then there's a new show on Netflix, and the name is going to be off-putting to some of you, and that's fine because it's honestly, it's probably not a lot of your speed, but it's it's called The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself, and um, it's about a like warring like two warring factions of witches, and like the big bad um, has a son that he doesn't claim. the 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 government keeps an eye on him because they're worried he's going to become like his dad, uh, and so that's kind of the the Central plot, but um, they're doing a lot of interesting social commentary using this plot because um, this kid is the only black character, at, like of his like age group, and so there's a lot of like talking about when do you internalize racism and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy for pe- for you and like those types of things. But um, it's just like it's kind of this horror fantasy thing. If you're into that sort of thing, um, it is it is it it is bloody. It is gory because they're like <laughs> at, in a war, so like that's a thing. If that's not your th- deal, skip it. But I'm having a good time. It's Fun. It's British people. It's it's British people doing magic. Like it's hard to go wrong with that.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, I, I you know it's it's I don't always know all the ones you, you you watch. I like that I started off strong with with two out of three classics that I have actually seen. Maybe I'll have to check out uh your your third pick there, Gerald. I watched a show that uh, also has a, a slightly off putting title. It's a weird thing to say out loud. I watched the Sex Lives of College Girls, um, <laughs> but it is a show on HBO Max. Uh, my wife was watching and I was like, Hey, what? I want to watch it. Do you want? To watch it with me was, sure why not let's let's uh spend that quality time um it was great I, I love the Mindy project it's it's uh created by Mindy Kaling um I would a fun cast of people you've probably never seen or heard of um, but I also love that it tells like it's a good college show you know it's Degrassi uh, one level up at college right it's it's a melodrama, but it's funny and it's interesting and it's it's 2022 um, it's a good just college romp right which there's a lot of those but almost exclusively told from a male POV so this was fun mm-hmm. to see uh, kind of with four uh, roommates who of course you know come from the opposite ends of the social spectrum and, and socioeconomic spectrum and it's some interesting uh, dynamics and things there. different they're all you know mostly different races or at least from different uh, parts of the country and so there's there's a lot of um, you know interesting dynamics that they they dive into again it's very 2022 topical um there's an athlete in the show and a title nine investigation and um a sexual harassment for a you know uh humor magazine like uh, really interesting things topical like you can see the the news stories that actually happened that drove these and then also just really kind of See how it would feel to be a college student in 2022. Uh, Newsflash, Gerald, as officially 10 years old. I think we are. We've we've been old uh, now for a decade. Long college time. seems way different than even when we when we were there uh, a decade and some change ago. Um, but uh, yeah, it 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 was an interesting watch, interesting hang. Uh, definitely laughed. Uh, Pretty good characters like not a, not a not a bad show at all i, I was glad my, my wife recommended it. it wasn't really on my radar um but i think season one we finished season two i'm sure it's coming out i don't have a look at but i'm pretty sure i heard it's it's coming for a season two and then the other thing uh was net gains this is part of being a capital j journalist of the uh <laughs> capital m media i got a uh an advanced copy of net games which is a um net gains is a really interesting book from ryan o'hanlon who you may have heard of he's been um written for some some big you know i think he wrote for the ringer for a time he's written for some big publications he's one of america's you know handful of, of best soccer voices and and he somehow like he, he does a really good job of, of taking a topic that is um could be dry and making it not dry at all right right like analytics the analytic revolution in soccer he uses some you know american lens on some things and then looks of course at like some national things and it's not too nerdy and analytical uh international i should say not too nerdy uh and analytical it's also like well written and compelling storytelling but again if you like data and analytics i feel like soccer was kind of the last frontier like the whole money ball revolution in sports happened in all the major American sports and then soccer was like five or ten years later and they're really seeing it both at the national team level at, at you know the the international uh various international leagues and in America we're certainly seeing it and it's in its infancy but it's really a fascinating read um and again if you like the the any of the analytics revolution if you like the money ball if you're a Daryl Morey guy if you like the Sloan sports conference if you like soccer just generally it helps explain where the game is gone and honestly where it's going. Um, so it was a really uh, great read. I um, haven't finished 100% of it yet, um, but certainly will because it's hard to put down. Um, I just can't recommend it highly enough. So go out and check out
0: Ryan O'Hanlon's Net Gains. Oh, definitely will have to. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on... Uh, Mastodon at, I'm kidding, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow me uh, on uh, the Texas Pregamer Twitter account at Texas Pregamer.
0: Follow me on Twitter, I'm at GH Guridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can also catch me doing a preview with our friend Melissa Treewasser over at Frogs today. We did video, you can see what my face looks like. So uh, if that's something that's down, up your alley, uh, check us out over there. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll be back. On Saturday post game for our live stream, and then obviously Tuesday with our full game recap. Thank you so much, and until next time, hook 'em.
1: Hook 'em. Texas never loses twice on game day in the same season.